Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus Nolan, and I am joined by... No, 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 no. There is no friend today. Michelle? Michelle is not feeling well, and we really wanted to keep the show going for you, our massive audience, our Musty Collective. And so, it's just me. Today. This is new. I've never been by myself, so bear with me because uh, <laughs> I don't have anyone else to bounce ideas, to bounce laughter off of. I'm going to be laughing my own jokes, laughing to myself. Um, but anyways, this is your first time listening to us. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here because we've been working too hard. If this is your first time listening to us, we are the Musty Collective and we motivate ourselves to become better storytellers. So... Today, since it's just me, I'm not going to get into too deep of the stuff stuff. Uh, But we are just going to, you know, go over some news items uh, that regard stories, discuss. And I I would like to discuss the beginning of epic tale telling in the sense of world building and things like that. And uh, that's it. So let's start the show. Okay, uh, cool. All right, so uh, again, just me today. Uh, so first thing up, as far as storytelling is concerned, if you have listened to this podcast before, you know that Michelle and I love Pixar Animation Studios. Uh, I've and Michelle and I have both read Creativity Inc. and we, which is like a essentially like a history, like a a history of Pixar and kind of like an explanation of how they tell stories and their process behind all that. Um, not written by John Lasseter, which is actually kind of interesting that it gets into storytelling so much, uh, but written, written by, uh, Ed Catmull, uh, who was the president of Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios for some time. And essentially the technical genius behind the storytelling of Pixar, uh, helping to create their animation engine and different animation techniques, uh, three animation techniques or, or just 3d computer graphics techniques in general. So. He's a titan of the industry. He doesn't get much credit for anything because obviously everyone looks at John Lasseter. Um, but yeah, we love Pixar. And so their latest movie has come out called Onward. We have not seen, and I want to clarify this, we did not see it because of anything against Pixar or the movie. Uh, we just have not seen the movie and we will not see the movie in theaters because of the coronavirus. <laughs> so we have made a firm decision Um We've even canceled our AMC A-list subscriptions because uh, we're just not going to need them for a while. We're just going to watch what is on uh, Netflix and Disney Plus and what we can rent online to watch. So we'll have to wait and you'll have to wait for our review or just our thoughts on the movie onward. But that being the case, the movie opened up this weekend. And uh, according to many, many sites, one site, you can hear me typing uh is cartoon brew unfortunately um one site th- this site actually onward uh launches number one at worldwide box office but disappoints for a pixar film 
it is actually the smallest global theatrical audience ever for a Pixar release. Now, again, if you look at the numbers and you're to compare, it's obviously a little bit more than Toy Story or Bugs Life. But if you count for inflation, the article says that um, Onward is just opening really low. Now, this is not to knock the movie, um, but this is just to say that, from my opinion, I think this really has to do with coronavirus. I think this people are not understanding how much is affecting the market. Even though theaters are going to stay open, uh, according to Hollywood Report, a Hollywood Reporter, um, just glancing at their news items today, uh, movie theaters are going to stay open. But I do think it's that movies are going to take a hit, and this is the first big hit. We'll see what happens with Mulan. I talked about this earlier with Michelle a couple episodes ago that I believe last year when uh, the first trailers were shown for Mulan that Mulan was going to be a $3 billion movie because of its global impact and the action and how good of a movie it was going to be. Now, with not just the political stuff going on with the Hong Kong protests and everything else, this movie is going to get hit hard, I think, by coronavirus fears. Um, and so get ready for some low, low movies this year. Like we just left 2019, which was pretty much like one of the best years in in storytelling when it comes to films and TV shows that I've seen in a long time. And like now we're going through what could be like a, a slump, a big kind of. I would say entertainment and public venue recession per se. Um, but look for a lot of streaming to go up. Look for video game um, buying to go up. Uh, it's going to be crazy. But what I wanted to get to with Onward was something a little bit different. Apparently, there is some drama with Onward uh, that has nothing to do with the box office. Nothing to do with the film itself as far as it being a good or bad film. I'm not going to talk about that because, again, if you want to look at other people's reviews, go ahead and check it out. I would go and watch the movie if I wasn't afraid of coronavirus. <laughs> All right, but uh, again, according to Cartoon Brew, great site, cartoonbrew.com, Animation News, Onward has been banned in the following Middle East countries due to its reference to a lesbian relationship in these countries, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar as well but it's playing in bahrain lebanon and egypt interesting egypt very interesting uh and russia censored onward changing the word girlfriend to partner because russia has a very huge extreme anti-lgbt stance um now i talked to a co-worker um today actually <clears throat> see I'm, I'm talking all by myself so you gotta give me a little break here I talked to a coworker. Actually, saw the film. She said she really enjoyed it. It was a lot better than she expected. Um, and just to like hint at what she was talking about was the idea that she came with low expectations. I think that always helps when you go watch a film. But also, um, she she saw that the film was more like for junior high students or junior high age people, and that may be why like it felt like not a Pixar film because it, it was more towards like a more mature audience than usual Pixar films and it didn't have a child or a play thing at the center of attention. It was two brothers who are teenagers um, at the center of attention. So anyways, really enjoyed the film. I asked her about the, the drama and she said it was really nothing. There was no kiss or anything like that. It was just a mention of 
of character, a female character saying that they had a girlfriend and that was it. So it's very interesting that that caused a lot of drama. Um, so uh, on Twitter, I like to follow this young man called Jorge R. Gutierrez. He is responsible for movies such as uh, The Book of Life. Um, and he's um, he's from Mexico. And he has like a very interesting art style. But anyways, I just like to follow him on Twitter. I think he says interesting things. He tweeted, the whole world is not as woke as we think. Progress will take time. Good for a giant megacorp like Disney to take this big step forward. And um, I'm not going to really give kudos to Disney. Um, I don't. I mean, it is a big deal, obviously, as far as Pixar films are concerned, and uh, as far as LGBT representation. I'm not going to go as far as giving them a clap for that, but because there's a lot of representation that they need to get better at. But um, yes, it's good. Uh, they didn't shy away from it. Um, wasn't a major character as far as I I know, but um, but I that is also it's true. The first part, the whole world is not as woke as we think. When we say woke, we talk about progressive. Um, we're there, there, like there is this idea that living in the United States, like we are super privileged, we are super blessed. We have a lot of things going for us that not a lot of people in the rest of the world do, and. Um, sometimes I guess like we forget that that's just how it is. And I guess just what was nice about this tweet is just recognizing that like the world itself is not like us. America is different for a reason and a good reason, um, in this case. And so, uh, hurrah, yay, we are progressive. Um, but the rest of the world is not. <laughs> March 9th, Disney, um, Disney Animation tweeted out the, that they are promoting um, a certain filmmaker. Her name is Mingju Helen Chen. She has become now a production designer working on Raya and the Last Dragon, if you didn't know before. I think we've talked about it briefly on the podcast, but at the last D23 conference or convention, uh, Disney talked about, or Walt Disney Animation Studios talked about a new film. It's an original work. It's not a sequel or anything like that. It's called Raya and the Last Dragon. I think it's like an Asian Pacific uh, centered story. And it, the concept art looks really, really cool. So I've actually been following this artist and I knew that she was working at Disney uh, Animation, but she just got you know, promoted and she's, uh, I want to say, Asian American. And so I think she's the first Asian female who is a production designer on a film, I want to say. Um, but production designers, uh, this is where I would need Michelle, but I believe they help when it comes, at least for the animation, they help to design the world in which, like, you, you know, you're going to view this story in. So um, as far as, like, the look and the, the artistry, the colors, you know, those kind of things, I think that's what she has been promoted to. And so she has this quote. It says, Working on Raya and The Last Dragon has been an amazing learning experience that has opened up a window for me into the animation pipeline and challenged myself not just as an artist but as a filmmaker 
too. It means everything to be trusted as a production designer to work with the studio's many talented artists. Fantasy has always been one of my favorite genres. And this is the thing that I really want to hone in on, actually, because it's all about world building and creating history within the context of the story. Um, I love being able to contribute to a world that has thousands of years and history under its belt as an exciting design challenge. And again, so this is Ryan the Last Dragon that she's talking about. So this is a original story or at least brand new to us. And so there is no like previous lore to fall back on. And so kind of let's talk about the idea of, of epic tale storytelling. One of the things that gets me excited about telling a story, I'm actually writing a short story right now, is the idea of like filling the backstory either in your mind or in the or writing down in text or in production design, like actually creating the 3D models and creating the color, uh, like uh, color aspects and things like that. The lighting, the moods, the themes that come through in the visuals to help um, a reader or a viewer like really get immersed into the story. And I'm going to talk about this more when we get to Star Wars. Yes, we're going to talk about Star Wars today, especially now since the sequel trilogy is over. But um, what's so cool about this statement is it's all about world building and creating history within the context of the story like it's crazy that you know now that we're out of school we all love history um because i remember like me being probably the only person in my entire class who really enjoyed world history uh from junior high to high school i love history i'm not saying i scored the best so if my teachers are listening from high school and junior high, they're like, oh, yeah, and get A's. I still enjoyed the class. And I enjoy reading about history. I enjoy exploring it. I love hearing the old tales. I guess because I grew up with old parents. My dad was born, like, really a long time ago. And so um, I've always been used to the idea of just, like, listening to history, listening to people's life stories. And what's great about those is that you get these different perspectives. If you really think about it, like when we think about history and we think about our lives on this planet, we really don't know what has happened in the past. Really, really don't know until like recently, like the last 200 to 300 years, because now we have photographs. We have people who like wrote down real detailed information and we can match up with photographs. And we can match up with like landmarks and, and battles and stuff like that. But to be quite honest, like, I'm not trying to be, like, some crazy, paranoid, like, flat earther. But we really don't know. Like, a lot of it is just, like, we think this is it because it ties to this. We do some radiocarbon dating on some stuff. And we believe the chemicals in the carbon. Blah, 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 blah. But a lot of it is just our inference on saying this is the standard based on what we say it is. Like, we say it's going to be this much going back. And... Like, so that's why we're going to say, okay, the earth is this old or whatever. But like outside of that, like a lot of it, man, like we don't know ancient history that well. And so what's interesting about the idea of like when you go into fiction is you can just kind of create it all and it all makes sense the way that you logically set it up. And this is where the idea of rules come in and things like that. But I just love the idea that when you're telling stories, you you do have to add a little bit of background, even if you're not telling something super epic. But if you're going to tell a story that has its typical arc plot with a character 
going along the hero's journey of some kind. Well, who is that character? Who is that protagonist? Who are their parents? Were they born an orphan? Why then were they born an orphan? Was it because of war? Was it because of famine? Was it because of poverty? Was it because of crime? What kind of crime? Was it due to a crime, like a, a random act of violence, like the story of Batman and his parents? Was it due because one of the parents was tied to a crime syndicate? What crime syndicate? Right? And then you go into even more ideas, like was that crime syndicate's name? What were their colors? Did they have a flag or a logo or a motto? Where, what city did they belong in? Well, where does that city reside in? What country? Well, what country is this? Is this? Is this country? What's the name of this country? You know, what are its ideals? What part of the country? Are you in a poor part of the country? Are you in a rich part of the country? You know, that's like you just ask all those questions right there, and you just build you just build a backstory for a character that goes a couple like you can go a couple decades in in the past. And the reason why that's important because the past infers the present, and ergo helps you to understand what's coming in the future, right? And it's just really cool to think about that. Like I go back to uh, a movie, a story I love, which is Wreck-It Ralph, the first one. And again, we have an amazing podcast talking about that um, if you want to check it out. But we understand Ralph's world because we understand that we understand video games. And we understand it, we like in Ralph's world of video games that he's in an arcade and his game you know, I'm going to wreck it or wreck it. Ralph has literally, you know, been in the arcade for years and years and years. Him and Fix It Felix have this history of Felix fixing things and being applauded and awarded for being a, a hero. And Ralph is, you know, thrown away in the garbage as a villain. And all that history of the wins and the losses or the losses really chain up into the story where Ralph has enough of being wreck it, Ralph. And wants to win a medal, right? That simple little backstory that they had to explain at the beginning of the story gives us context for the present motivations of the character moving forward. And then those motivations help to infer that, well, we think then at some point to resolve the conflict within Ralph, that he's going to have to either accept himself or get a medal and be accepted by others. Well, how that's going to play out, we don't know, but we feel the, the conflict growing within Ralph because of the context of the history of his game and his life that we see in those few minutes of the intro of the movie. And it's just like just that simple little bit of it that really draws you into the story. And there's, you can think about it. Any story you know, there's some kind of context to help you think a reference point, some immersion that kind of gets you right into the story. supposed to get an episode with Bonafide Gamer and or Bonafide Gaming that has been stalled because we're waiting for some stuff and so we're still expected to do that episode with Kyle um, and I think it's going to be an amazing episode I think you're going to learn a lot and it's going to be something very inspiring for a lot of people um, 
But if you have any projects you're working on, please let us know by posting on social media with hashtag Musty Creative, and we will share it, and possibly you on the show. We want to thank our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast. With your support, we'll be able to uh, create better shows for you. I'm, I'm tired, y'all. Interview more guests and buy better equipment. Michelle, I need you. Uh, you can support us at anchor.fm slash musty and click on the support button. And that's all the time we have for us. So remember to leave us a review on iTunes. We see reviews. Thank you so much. Thank you to our monthly supporters for supporting this podcast. It really, really helps us out a lot because that means more people get to hear about the show and the recommendations on their feeds. Also, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as well, and our podcasting website, acre.fm slash musty. Now, it's time to shower up. them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.